You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. Good morning, guys. Anyone see the latest forecast? Last night, it was like six to nine inches. I checked this morning, and it was like three. Come on. They're just throwing darts at a board in there. Either way, I'm excited. I'm I'm expecting great things from the snow day. Uh, So are you in your seat today? Are you in your seat? All right. Do you remember the person's name? If you weren't here last week, there's a high chance you're in somebody's seat, but it's cool. We'll work it out. Um, Do you remember the name of anyone around you? So here, here's, if, if you know someone's name, say it. If you don't, and I know a lot of you got warrants, use the same fake name you used, <laughs> use the same fake name you used last week, and we get that. And if you don't, if get close to their name, like it's, pretend like it's my dad with Alexa, just Alice, whatever, just get close, it's fine. But turn and speak to someone and say hi, go ahead, it's fine. If you know their name, say it. Yes. Yes. Everyone knows everybody. It's worked. That's great. Good job. All right, let's not get carried away. That's sufficient. We got a time thing going here. Um, That's good, though. We're going to get to a point in this place where you walk in and like four or five, six people call you by name, you're going to call four or five, that's where we're headed. So just brace yourselves. Uh, but I believe there's value in that. And I think you believe there's value in that. Even if you kind of don't really like people, it's still cool to have someone to call you by name so that you have the option of whether or not to respond. Right? <laughs> Even if you really don't want to go to the party, you still want someone to invite you so you can tell them no. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're doing this core series. Uh, we do this annually and And this is where we sort of set the vision for the church. And where there is no vision, people perish, right? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. And you know this. Where there is no vision for your finances, money perishes. Where there is no vision for for your your marriage, intimacy perishes. Where there is no vision for your job, your joy at work. I mean, anything that has no vision eventually sort of fades away. And so we want to make sure that we have a vision for this place. And so that is why we are doing what we are doing. And next Sunday night at... At either at 5 o'clock, we're going to have our membership night, and we're all going to come, and, and everyone who shows up, we're asking you to bring an offering, and we know not all offerings are the same, but, you know, bring one. It doesn't matter, whatever you can do. And remember, I'm not talking about goats or chickens, because Intergy does not need your goats and chickens. Like, bring, bring an offering, and then we're going to share in communion together, uh, and we're going to worship together, and I'm going to share some, some stuff, some, some interesting uh, things about last year and where we're headed for this year, and so I hope you'll be there. And if everybody shows up, it's going to be crowded. Uh, but we'll, if that's the worst case scenario, too many people for membership night, then we'll work through it, right? <laughs> so that's what's happening next week. And if you can't make it, you can still be a member because your action in the world is far more important than your name on sacred parchment. So just remember that. If you can't show up, we get it. You, you still be in. But so we, we sort of, a few years back when we began to talk about, this may have been right after Corona, right before, I don't remember, but. But, oh, what Katie said was funny about y'all acting like you're at a movie theater during the <laughs> She's funny. And so um, we, came, we basically began to sort of order things in this place around a passage from Acts. 
And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 2. Verse 42. <laughs> and now that we're all there, we'll read it together. All right. They were continually devoted. By the way, I, I love that this is the New American Standard Bible, and I like this translation a lot. The NIV says they devoted themselves. I love that the NASB says they were continually devoting themselves. Continually means more than once, right? It didn't mean they tried it once and it didn't work out, so they gave up. It means they kept trying it. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe at the many wonders and signs that were taking place to the apostles. All the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and, and share with them all to the extent that anyone had a need. Day by day, continuing with one mind the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding daily to their number those who were being saved. Like that, that's it. That, that's it. That, and now we can't do everything just like they did it in Acts, of course, because it was a different time and a different place. So what we do is contextualize what they did and bring it into our world and say, how do we do this? How do we create a place that's living uh, in this sort of way and doing this sort of thing? And one of the things you see about these people as you read this was they had a mission and a vision, and it was clear. And their vision and mission was to make disciples, right? And they believed they existed to worship God. And so they ordered their lives around those things. They ordered their lives around worshiping God and making disciples. You knew what they were about because everything in their life was ordered around it. And we have a vision here. And can anyone tell me, please, please, can anyone tell me the vision here? No, no, that's close. That's core values. It's written on the back wall. The unison in this place is mind-boggling. This is why claps never last very long during a song. All right, here's the vision. Everyone needs Jesus, and everyone is our responsibility. And guys, there's a million ways. All we're really saying is love God and love people. Okay, all we're really saying is make disciples. We're just saying it in a different way. Everyone needs Jesus, and everyone's our responsibility. It's the same old thing, just different for us, right? But it's the same thing. Everyone is Jesus, and everyone's our responsibility. And so we order our lives around that. If that's what we're about, if we believe that everyone needs Jesus, and we believe that everyone needs Jesus as our responsibility, then we order our lives around that, and we do that with core values. And here you go. We have five core values here. Can anyone tell me the core values? I feel like we're, this is like prison camp. Oh, thanks for noticing. <laughs> Knowing, growing, giving, serving, praising with passion. Joy. All right. Knowing, growing, giving, serving, praising. These are the core values here. And today, uh, which I'm glad we're doing it, we're going to refresh ourselves on what these things mean and reorient ourselves, calibrate ourselves for a vision that is moving forward. So let's start with knowing. Here's, here's, the, here's the knowing. We value being known inside of Christian community. 
Therefore, we choose to be in relationships that provide belonging, care, accountability, and unity. And one of my favorite words in this statement is we choose of your free will. Not out of guilt, not out of shame, not because Katie made you. We choose because it's what we believe. And and, and when those things line up, action and belief, powerful things happen, right? I love this verse from Acts, Acts 2.46. It says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So they'd come to the temple, big party, and they had one mind. Then they'd go house to house, and they'd, they'd break bread together. They were taking their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. Man, I love that. Guys, we have, we have this big gathering that we do each week, okay? And, and we come here, and, and I love this. But what really happens in here is more about growing, and we'll talk about that, and it's about giving and serving and praising. Knowing doesn't happen phenomenally well inside of a big group like this. Number one, it's easy to hide. It's easy to hide, and that's why some of us won't take that next step, because it's easy to hide in this. But knowing doesn't happen well in here. And so we have ways where you can be known, because we believe that this alone is not really sufficient for your relationship with Christ. This is one part But in so many ways, this is the appetizer to the meat that happens when you're in a small group of humans who really, really, really know you, right? You go deeper. You go deeper. And we have uh, things that Katie and Chris and so many people worked so hard for so many years to create things where you can get involved in groups. And people here are becoming known uh, through our small groups, and they're becoming known through the men's ministry and King Kingdom, and known through the women's ministry and to Camp Well, and all these amazing ways, known through serving. There are so many ways to be known beyond this. Pick one. And if you don't like what we're offering, create one. And, and, and if you don't like, let's say there's some people who just come to worship here, but they're in a small group somewhere else, Fantastic. And believe it or not, there's people who, who are in a, a, you know, a small group here, but they go to worship somewhere else. Because they, I guess it, they don't like the music. That's the only thing that makes any sense. <laughs> That's the only possible thing that would make any sense. I mean, right? I think we're all on the same page there. But, like, it doesn't matter. Just connect with a group of people who love Jesus a little more than they love you. And we can make excuses. I don't like that. I don't like, just find it and do it. Create it. Put in the work to make it happen. But you need to be known. Y'all know what the invisible man does? Whatever he wants. It's not good to be the invisible man. It is good to be known. Matter of fact, when, when God creates the world, he creates man, and he says, I saw that man was alone, and he says, that ain't good. I mean, we know this. We inherently know this. I'm not at my best when I'm isolated. Neither are you. And so that's why this year we're putting such an emphasis on, on Sunday is, is what it is, and there's worship, and, and there's a, but, but our non-Sunday events, we're really going to push even harder being known. And so if, if maybe you're coming here and hiding a little bit because you don't really want to be known, and then you're going to come to a women's event or a men's event or something like that, let me tell you, you're not going to be able to just sit in the back and hide. We're going to focus on not just creating rows, but creating circles where people come to know each other. Because you were not meant to do this life alone. And if you've fallen and there was no one there to pick you up, woe to you. But if you fell and you had a group of friends who pushed you back in the right direction, man, it made all the difference in your life, didn't it? And so knowing is something we value here and, and we believe in it. The second thing is, is growing. We value growing. 
in our knowledge, faith, obedience, and love, and in the likeness of Christ. Therefore, we practice spiritual disciplines. That's a word everyone loves in church, disciplines, that demonstrates our values. Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves. They continually devoted themselves. They can, over and over and over, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. So over and over, they devoted themselves. Because if y'all ever had a season with Christ where you were on top of the world, did you stay there? You've, it's hard, right? And so it's continual devotion. And I love that they talk about spiritual disciplines, doing the things that help us to live like Christ. And it's not just a matter of hearing something. Matter of fact, I love the way James, Jesus' half-brother, says this. James 1.22. But prove yourselves, I wonder how long I'll do that. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers of the word who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and he just goes away, he immediately forgot what kind of person he was. But the one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed with what he does. As, as, as we study Scripture, we're about to do a study on Exodus. And we're going to study Scripture together, all of us. I, my prayer is that every single person in this room is studying Exodus with us. And my prayer is that no one's doing it alone. And listen, it's not, you don't have, it's not your job to interpret Scripture. It's your job to take the interpretation and use it as a mirror for your life to see where you need to be transformed. I mean, I love James. It's such a, a great image. Like, can you imagine you wake up in the morning and you hadn't fixed your hair or anything and you look in the mirror and you walk off and you have no idea what you just looked at? Some of you can imagine that. <laughs> but like, I thought it was casual. That. I thought it was interesting. So like, but we can get this. The, the point of Scripture is that you are becoming like Christ. The point of Scripture is that when I look at the Bible, I begin to see a mirror image, but it's less of me and more of him. The image in the mirror begins to change. I begin to see one that is greater than me, one that is more loving than me and more valuable than me and more worthy. I begin to see Christ. That, that's what we're doing. And if you're reading the Bible on a consistent basis, honestly, with an open mind, and you're never being convicted, you're reading a Bible you wrote. You're not reading his because it is impossible to come away from this and not be convicted, encouraged. It's impossible to not be redirected and confirmed. And God does all of these things at different places and times for us. But this is how we change. And it's not just through the Bible. Again, it's, it's through spiritual disciplines. Spiritual discipline is this. Coming to church is a spiritual discipline. Worship is a spiritual discipline. Worshiping alone is a spiritual discipline. Reading the Bible in a group, reading it alone, uh, prayer, fasting, communion, all of these things. Do what it takes. You cannot be connected to the body of Christ and not grow. Growth is not optional. But unlike, um, you know, a plant just grows based on where you set it, doesn't it? Like if you set a plant in the window, it's going to grow. You turn it and face it towards the sun or whatever, and it grows. You water it. Plants, you have free will. You're not plants. A plant is turned towards the sun. You have the choice of whether or not you will face him. And so grow. Grow because that's what we do as those who are connected to the body of Christ. All right, here's the next one. Knowing, growing, 
giving. This is the one you all came for. You've been waiting for this. We value generosity. Therefore, we practice joyfully sharing our time, talents, and resources for the purpose of loving God through his local church. Verse 46 says, All the believers were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and share with all to the extent that anyone had a need. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. I kind of noticed this this week, and I think you'll notice it too. Verse 45 and, or verse 44 and 45 make an interesting series of statements. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And then it says, and they would sell their property and possessions and share. Do you believe that all the believers had the same amount of property and possessions? I don't think so either. I don't think that's what, I don't think that's, what that's saying. Matter of fact, if you read the Bible and, and you keep reading, you see that different people seem to have different amounts of stuff. It wasn't that they all had the same amount of stuff. It was that they all shared the same vision for the stuff that they had. And some had more and some had less, but everyone believed that everything they had should be used for the glory of God. And it wasn't just up to the people who had a lot to support everybody because everyone equally sacrificed for the kingdom. And th- that's, I mean, this is what we can learn from this. And it, it should be our responsibility to support the ministries of this church. And I want to say this, and this is fun for me. I was at a... Um, I was at a duck camp the other night with some of my friends from high school, which is, has a whole series of stories attached to it. Was all breakdown over the next few years. But here, here's the interesting thing: uh, a couple of my friends are businessmen and whatnot, and they're like, "Man, how how did your church survive over the last few years? It's been so hard. Like, how is your church? You know, how are y'all still going? So many places have shut down. Business has been so hard. Corona, blah blah blah." And I was like, "We've thrived. We've grown in the difficult times." And and they're like, well, how? You know, did you do a capital campaign? I was like, I don't think so. They're like, I think we did. They're like, well, what do you do? And I said, well, 90% of the time when we talk about money, it's about celebration, not motivation. Since you've been here, have you ever been begged for money? Have you ever been made to feel bad about it? Yet we operate from a place of, of, of great wealth. And I don't, I don't mean that, but I mean like we operate from a place of plenty, not a place of scarcity. And it's because so many of you are generous. And I feel like if Paul was writing a letter to our church, there's probably areas where he would critique us. But I feel like in the area of generosity, he would confirm us. You guys are doing amazing. When someone has a need, we are able to fill it. When someone comes to this place, we are able to, to help them. We are able to support so many organizations while paying for this place, while putting heat in here on a cold day. You guys have risen above and beyond what anyone ever expected from a little church in East End. Well done. Well done. It is amazing. And y'all know it's not my budgeting because it's not like I'm a mathematician sitting in there moving an abacus around. You're just generous. And, and we don't pass an offering plate. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> and yet it's being done. Serving. Oh, by the way, they also said we shouldn't make people talk to each other. You know, like the church people. They're like, don't, you got to pass an offering plate. you got to set up in an area that has a great wealthy population, and you have to uh, not make people speak to each other. We've bucked every single thing. And don't let that do be the pastor. All right, serving. Let's go to serving. We value loving God through serving God's people. We believe Christ came to serve. Therefore, as those who wear his name, Christian, We practice living as servants both inside and outside the local church. Verse 47, praising God and having the favor of all people. 
You know what the greatest way to get the favor of people is? Serve them. Serve them. I, I mean, I, I know we all want to be great theologians, but what we should be is great servants. The Bible says the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And if you're not, if you're too good to serve, then you have elevated yourself above the Son of Man. We are servants first. We are servants first in this place. That you, man, you, you read the old stories from like the Roman Empire about Christians, and they hated Christians. They hated them. But then they would make these comments about, but man, they sure are generous. Man, they sure serve. The, at one point in Rome, they were getting rid of children because they were too overpopulated. And so they would take unwanted children and throw them outside the city gates. And at night, you know what would happen? Christians would sneak up, get the children, and raise them. Yeah. That's what pro-life looks like. That's what it looks like. Valuing people that much. Not just the unborn, but the born. It, it means valuing humanity so much that we're willing to serve them in it, even when it inconveniences us. Y'all know on Friday night, a group of people went out from this church into the streets again to love life. And they do it every single Friday night. They don't care what the weather is. They don't care what's going on in the world. They just go and serve. You know, you know there's people here back there. You know, there's people with your kids right now. And some of you, you got bad kids. And there's people back there. <laughs> and they're watching them. And they're keeping them, and they love them, and whatever. I mean, it's amazing. There are people who are willing to serve when serving is not easy. And that, I got a secret. I got a secret. They care more about that than they care about our theology. They care. I, I know, you, you know, and we know everything we're against, and we know it, and we know, we know, blah, blah, blah. We know it. They care more about our servant hearts. Are you serving in any way? Or did you just show up to be served? The last one is praising. We value praising our God. Therefore, we worship God with all that we have, both as a body and as individuals. Man, and I think sometimes there's a disconnect in praise. You come into this place, you're like, all right, God, it's Sunday. I'm ready to get my praise on. And then you're kind of sitting there, you know, you're like, I'm just not really feeling it today. The reason you're not feeling it today is this. You've showed up for a marathon having never practiced, right? You showed up to run a race, and you hadn't even gotten, you hadn't done anything. You hadn't even stretched, right? By the way, this is me stretching. So I want to, <laughs> thank you. You hadn't done anything. And then you show up in here, and you're like, all right, you know, whatever. And if, if you're just kind of showing up in here and, and putting your hands up, and there's nothing going on in your heart, that's showing. And showing is not one of our core values. But if you've been praising God all week by knowing and you've called and checked on somebody, and you love somebody, and you praised God by growing, you know, you spent some time with God, and, and you praised God by being generous, and, and you praised God by serving. Then you come into this place, and praising God with your worship is just an automatic response for everything you've been doing. When you wait until the last minute to muster it up, and can you imagine approaching any other way, like a boxing match? You show up, hey, I've never boxed before, how you doing? <laughs> like those who have been engaging and praising God all week long, I'm praising God on Sunday to be quite simple and enjoyable. And if you're not, like, if we make this legalism and religion or whatever, it's just another checklist and it'll make you miserable. But for those who will do these things out of love for God and Jesus Christ, eventually this will feel like freedom. Knowing, growing, giving, serving, praising will not feel like a checklist. It'll feel like freedom. It'll feel like life. I, I want to tell you guys about 
Gosh, there's so many different groups. Uh, let's talk about the Friday night group, as a matter of fact. Let's, let's pick on them a little bit. Um, so this group is incredibly diverse, all sorts of different kinds of people, and they show up every Friday night, go out and do something that's incredibly inconvenient, and now they're not just doing that little event on Friday nights. Now they're having Bible studies together. Now they're meeting in each other's homes. Now they've developed like a family within this family. I'll tell you about another one. Uh, we have a group of 18 to 25s. Do y'all know how many times we've tried to start a group of 18 25s here? And it fails every time. I don't know if you know this, but that age group is a bit flaky sometimes. <laughs> I can attest to it because I was that age for a long, long time. <laughs> long time. Year 14 of college, I was still kind of trying to figure out my way through. So I get it. I'm not knocking you because I've been there for about 23 years. So, so we tried and tried and tried and it failed. And then we started, we said, all right, let's try it again. We started about, I don't know, eight months ago or something like that. We tried it again, right? 18 to 25. And about 25 people showed up. And they committed. And I'm not saying we still have 25. Maybe we have 18, 20. I don't know how many we got now. But the other day, a group of them on their own, not, not we drove them. I mean, no shepherd. A group of them went to a passion conference in Atlanta the other day at Louis Giglio's church. And while they were there praising and worshiping, they began to minister to homeless people in the streets of Atlanta. They're, they're learning to give. They're learning to serve. They're learning to praise. And let me tell you this. Our first few meetings were awkward. <laughs> awkward. They got a 47-year-old dude who was 25 for 47 years, and they got a room full of people who don't know each other, and we're all trying to work it out. But for those who have stuck it out, for those who are committed, they are creating something that will change the world. This is not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to create something special. It's worth it to create something better. It's worth it to stand in front of God, the Father Almighty, look at him one day and say, I didn't just play church. I lived it. I did what you called me to do. And through this, you will not find duty. Through this, you will find life. So next week, when we show up for, for the membership night, come ready, come hungry. As we begin to move into our Exodus study, open your eyes and your heart and do it. Look around this room. Even as you leave, look for someone to speak to. We can do this. The power of God is in us. And when a church lives as a church that belongs to God, then the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is who we are. This may be our greatest year yet. The good news is God gives us the free will to decide. I pray we choose well. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.